privilege to welcome you here. I'm Pastor Ben. I have the privilege of serving as the, the pastor here, and I'm glad you've, you've joined with us this morning. Today's a special day. We're celebrating Baptist Women's Day, and we're, we're celebrating and highlighting uh, the, the role and the presence and the dignity of women in, in the local church. And you're going to hear in just a few moments from, from several godly ladies that are going to give their testimony and, and about how God is working in various areas of their life. And uh, it's important that we as a church uh, pause to affirm, pause to recognize, pause to uh, express the dignity of women in the life of the local church. Um, I'm going to share a passage from a book. It's called No Little Women. And uh, if, you, if you're a reader, as you've probably learned that I am a reader, uh, I would recommend this book to you. Uh, the subtitle is Equipping All Women in the Household of God. And I want to share a, uh, a passage out of it. And the subtitle of this section is called Women Are Necessary Allies to the Ministry. And here's what it says. Let me preface it before I read. A lot of times we think uh, we can talk in our culture about women only as wives. And a, a lot of women are wives. There's a lot of women who aren't wives or who aren't wives anymore. And that doesn't mean that they are somehow detached from service in the household of God. And that's what this, this lady is getting at right here. And so I want, I want you to hear from her words. She says, women are not only necessary allies to their husbands within their personal households, but are also necessary allies to the men in carrying out the mission of the household of God. And in this way, women have a distinct and diverse contribution to make alongside their brothers in Christ. So what she means is that God didn't give the ministry just to men. God didn't give the ministry just to women. That God gave the ministry to his people. And that we each serve a distinct role in carrying out God's mission in the world, which happens right here in this local church. So I'm going to pray in just a minute, and then I'm going to allow these ladies to come up and share with you how God is working in their life and how they are a distinct part of carrying out God's kingdom work in the world. Let's pray together. Lord, it's good to gather in your house. It's good to gather with your people. It's good to be before you. Lord, we thank you for your grace that you give us each and every day because of Jesus Christ. Lord, I pray that you would, through the power of the Holy Spirit, help these sisters come and share the goodness of, of, of God in their lives, that you would give us ears to hear all that they say. Lord, we, we ask and we plead that just as these ladies sang, that you would come and fill us with your Holy Spirit now. Lord, we love you and we praise you and we pray all of this in your holy name. Amen. Good morning. Um, I'd like to share with you what God is teaching me about prayer as it relates to praying for my husband and with my husband. Um, this sort of began a couple of years ago before Dr. and Ms. Beaver came. I was focusing on how to pray for our church, and during this time, a prayer guide sort of just fell into my hands, um, and it was a guide for praying for your pastor. To be honest, I was reluctant to use it for a couple of reasons in the beginning. Um, one was it's really difficult to pray for somebody that you've never met. Um, but God used this prayer guide and this time to do something new in my heart. As I began to pray for the beavers, I noticed the Lord was exchanging my fear and anxiety for excitement and peace. When they arrived, I loved them immediately. And I'm sure it's because God had been building a connection for me with them through the time I had spent praying for them. He had worked in me to love and appreciate them and to be excited about what God would do through them and what he would teach me. As I continued to pray for the beavers using this guide, I was very impressed by the beautiful things that the Lord was leading me to pray. And I thought, wouldn't it be incredible to have somebody pray these things for my husband? And the Lord said, well, that can happen. And he led me to use the prayer guide for the pastor to pray for Tim. And I am so thankful that I did not miss this. Um, God took me from very general prayers for kind of for the here and now to more specific prayers that had an eternal focus. He took me from saying things like, God bless Tim give Tim wisdom for what he has to do today and help us to be closer. 
And then the new things were things like, draw Tim into deeper worship of you. Let the mind of Christ be strong in Tim. Let nothing hinder Tim's time with you. And my, my favorite that I've really seen God answering is provide friends to help protect Tim and walk with him in personal holiness. Equip Tim for the work that you have planned for him. <clears throat> I realize now that God was teaching me to pray proactively. For most of us, our prayers originate out of immediate need, out of a disappointment, and even times of def- desperation. It was refreshing for me to begin to pray blessings on my husband that were not limited to immediate concerns. Certainly, we are to take all our cares and concerns to the Lord, especially in times of urgent need, but there is so much more. I realized I had been asking God to accomplish my agenda rather than God's will. No wonder my prayer life had been hitting a brick wall. 1 John five fourteen and 15 says... And this is the confidence which we have before him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us in whatever we ask, we know we have the request which we have asked from him. I'm seeing that to pray according to God's will, our prayers have to be in agreement with God's word. His word contains his will for us. This gave me great confidence. I could be sure that praying based on scripture was pleasing to God. And it became a sweet time of worship with the Lord. It makes me um, think of Henry Blackaby and experiencing God talking about God invites us to join him in what he is already doing. God has allowed me to see Tim, see him working in specific ways to answer my prayers for Tim. It wasn't because I prayed, but because he was so gracious and kind to lead me in what to pray. He led me to pray for things on God's heart, for the purpose of building his kingdom and my faith. He's showing me his faithfulness and so much more of himself. I've been able to to be thankful for some times that God has said no, and I can trust God because he wants to do so much greater than what I had asked, things that I was sure needed to happen. Like my heart connected to Dr. and Ms. Beaver, God is connecting my heart in a greater, greater way to Tim and to be aware of God at work in him. This has definitely brought us a lot closer. Um, lastly, I, do, I just want to praise the Lord that God has led Tim and I to start the habit of praying together consistently. While we've prayed together a lot over the years, it's only been in the last few years that we've worked to make it a habit for most mornings. It has become a sweet time of fellowship with one another and with our Lord. I'm thankful the Lord is continuing to work to change us. He doesn't leave us where we are. He is uniting us and seeking him together as a husband and wife. And I don't think there's anything that would be more effective in strengthening a marriage. Good morning. Um, As I was asked to um, speak about godly mothers, I'm just a representative of so many that are in this building today. And I can start by looking at the front row of this church, all the way to the back row of this church, and see the faces of so many godly mothers. And God has given me vivid faces of so many of the godly mothers that raised all of you. Because those same godly mothers poured into me. They poured into me, Jesus, the love of Jesus, and wanting to know more and more about him. And in this uh, body of mothers, I've seen so many characteristics of what it has been to be like a godly mother. In this same group of body, there are as many as maybe five generations of children and so forth that have come from these godly mothers that are here today and that has been instilled in them the importance of being in God's house, loving Jesus, and to be in his word mostly. And one by one, his kingdom is being built through all of you as a generation, one after the other. As godly mothers, we are to teach our children about God's love. His love is 
great and we are to love each other as a result of him loving us first. We are to love him with all of our hearts, all of our minds, and all of our souls. And we are to commit to following those commandments and repeat them over and over to our children. God wants us to have a love relationship with him that overflows into a relationship with others. And that is what we, is that not what we want for our children, to have such a great love relationship with him? See, Jesus, he does, we don't want our children just to know who Jesus is, but we really want our children to know Jesus and who he really is and have a love relationship with him. In order to get to know him, what better way than through his word? Reading Bible stories with them as small children and encouraging them to remain in his word. What better way for our children to know how much we love them than to tell them and to show them by pointing them to Jesus, who is love? Proverbs 22.6 says, Train a child in the way he should go. Even when he is old, he will not depart from it. Charles Spurgeon, who is known as the Prince of Preachers, said, that perhaps the single most important thing to celebrate in a Christian mother is bringing scripture to her children. It fills my heart with joy to go places and see scripture posted among people's homes. And I especially love going, even in my grandchildren, seeing on their doors scriptures posted for them to learn. It blesses my heart. A godly mother prays without ceasing for her children. There is nothing more powerful than prayer. Pray for wisdom for raising them. Pray for their protection. And a crucial task for godly mothers is to pray scripture over our children that will lead them to have faith in Christ. One of my favorite scriptures is Proverbs 3, 5 through 6. What better way to pray for the salvation and direction for our kids than they would trust in the Lord with all their hearts, lean not on our own understanding, and for them to seek your will, Lord, for their life, and that you would direct their paths. It's not enough to hear his word or read his word, but to pray that they will digest it and make it a part of their inner being. We all know we can pray wherever we are, whether we are in our favorite spot where we have our devotions, or we can pray on our knees. When we're really burdened about something, fall down on our knees and pray. My favorite spot is when I'm really burdened over my children, especially for something that may be going on in their lives, is to kneel by my bedside. And by all means, to kneel at this altar. A mother's love is like no other. She nurtures, she encourages, she protects. And as we allow the Holy Spirit to work in us, he will produce the fruits of the Spirit in addition to love, peace, joy, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Although these fruits are challenging at times, they have incredible opportunities to show God's devotion in our children. In keeping with God's commandments, we're not perfect. I'm not perfect. But we strive in our character and in our conduct and in our, in our conversation to keep with God's word. When we mess up, and believe me, we mess up, we admit our failure to God and to our children. We extend the grace to our kids just as God extends his grace to us when we mess up. For God's love, his grace, and his purpose is so complete and so fixed that nobody can mess it up. God doesn't bless perfect parenting because there's no such thing, but he does bless humble parenting. Motherhood is an awesome gift from God. Along with it comes a lot of responsibility, but oh, so much joy. And we can all agree as mothers that it requires a lot of strength to be a mother. And I'm not talking about just physical strength. So one of my favorite scriptures also is Nehemiah 8.10. The joy of the Lord is my strength. Praise God for his strength in raising our children. No matter how old our children are, no matter whether we've raised them under our roofs or whether we poured into them during their years of leading them through Sunday school or other positions here as a godly mother, it involves a lot of show and tell. Our kids are going to exhibit many of the attitudes, many of the habits many of the teachings that they've seen and heard from us. Psalms 23 says, the first line, the Lord is my shepherd. He is all I need. Do our children see us looking to the Lord for all our needs? 
do they see us giving praises to him for meeting those needs? As godly mothers, we're allowing the Holy Spirit, are we allowing the Holy Spirit to guide our steps to point them to Jesus? Do we glorify God in all we say and do? As children, as our children see us, do they see us walk in faith? Do we demonstrate by showing them how much we love them? A hug goes a long way. As we're teaching them how to love Jesus first and others by serving them as well. I'd like to share this quote. If we desire to see our children go to love and obey the Lord, if we are the real deal as godly mothers, humble and above 100% dependent on the Lord to work in our children's hearts rather than try to do it ourselves. Just when we think our children aren't listening, just wait. They are watching, and God is working. Our desire in our hearts is to see our kids come to know Christ as their Savior and faithfully follow him for the rest of their lives. I'd like to close by sharing with you a quote from Jamie Torres, who spoke to our church several months ago. Everything we do should be an outward expression of Jesus living in us. Exalt Jesus, and that love will be contagious. Raise your children to worship and serve the Lord for his glory. Cindy asked me to speak. This is out of my comfort zone. I don't speak in large crowds. She asked me to speak on the working place. Sometimes women think that they have to have it all to to succeed. That may be true, but not at the same time. God has already given us all things that pertain to life and godliness. God is not limited to that glass ceiling, closed door, or that HR policy. He is beyond that. We try to encourage women to change their perspectives and recognize God's unique plans and purpose in their lives at work. Our work is more than just a steady paycheck or something to keep us busy. Our work is our mission field. God has planted us there for a reason. No matter who we come in contact with each day, it may be a person that is hurting deeply, or it may just be someone that needs a kind word. We place there to help them. Where God has called us, where God has placed us, is our mission field. Understanding that God is with us when we go into that workplace, no matter what that workplace looks like, he has given us that day for a purpose, and that he just wants us to surrender to him, be open to whatever he does and however he leads us to do in that day. In 1 Corinthians fifteen fifty eight, it says, My dear friend, stand firm and don't be shaken. Always keep busy for the Lord. You know that everything you do for him is worthwhile. People know us by our actions. You know the old saying, actions speak louder than words. Showing compassion, patience, and love to the people we come in contact with. They may need it that day. They may be hurting for whatever reason, but being kind to them. People look at us, and they need to know us by our actions. Are we Christians? Or we just say we're Christians and prove different? We may not always be at our best every day, but you can bet someone is watching you even on your worst day. We're not perfect by any means. We're just sinners saved by grace. At our workplace, we are to be on a mission, and that is to show others God is real, and he cares. He has a mission for us to carry out, and that mission is to care for his people, that they may know him. In Proverbs 31, 31, 30 and 31, it says, Charm is deceitful, and beauty is passing. But a woman who fears the Lord, she shall be praised. Give her of that fruit of her hands, and let her own works praise her inner gates. Thank you. Good morning. When Cindy told me she wanted me to talk about prayer, I sent her 
the praying emoji, and I also sent her a sad face emoji, and she sent back, I know you're not sending that sad face to Jesus, so (laughs) I'm not sending that sad face to Jesus because prayer is my lifeline. Prayer is the world's greatest wireless connection. I have this little block sign at home as a vivid reminder of how much God really is my uh, biggest wireless connection. I'm a prayer walker, so I go around my Sea of Galilee, which is my pond, and I pray for people as I'm going around the pond and toward mom and dad's. Greg Laurie, a noted evangelist, asked his granddaughter one day as they were pitching pennies in a wishing well, what's the difference in a wish and a prayer? And she said, Poppy, a wish is for me, and a prayer is talking to God. And prayer is a dialogue, not a monologue. I constantly say, God, if you convey, I will pray. And God will lay somebody on my heart or mind and peoples and burdens, and I will pray for those people. I will beg God to intervene in their lives. United corporate prayer lists the burdens. It's not a why question. It's a who question. Who do you turn to? Who do you turn to when you need somebody? You turn to Jesus. Through the power and the name of Jesus, our God is a very personal God. He's involved in the personal details of our life. I often say, God, you got this, I don't. Sometimes I'm exhausted, God, and you just have to carry out from here. The will of God is sometimes is not to know the will of God, but to trust him. I'm going to use an acrostic as a brain anchor to help you remember. P is for the 3,000 promises of God throughout the Bible that we can pray back to him and we can stand on those promises. P is also for my parents who model prayer. I have vivid memories of mom and dad praying for people, families, community. They never fail to lift people up. R is for my redeemer. Jesus Christ has access to the throne of God and because of Jesus, we have access to the throne of God. R is also for reach. When I went to Peru on a mission trip, I had to talk about prayer in their native tongue. I had an interpreter, but I used a paperclip chain, which really stood out in their minds that when God asks you to pray for somebody and you don't, you become the one missing link that makes that prayer maybe take longer or not get answered. So we are the link that if we don't pray, that prayer might be hindered. R is also repeat back to God his word. It never returns void, Isaiah 55, 11. A is for we all need prayer. We all need something to, for God to intervene in our lives. And it says in scripture that the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous person availeth much in James 5, 16. Billy Graham said to search the scriptures diligently and pray without ceasing. Wise for to yearn to know the heart of God and the word of God. You can't get enough of the word of God. Anne Graham Lott said, to know God and to make God known should be our life's pursuit. We can pray anywhere and anytime because we do have a wireless connection. We can't rely on our gifts and talents, but we have to pray. Priscilla Schreier said, we must pray because pray, prayer opens access to God. Prayer is how we live in the abundance of God. Jesus gave us model prayers in Matthew 6, Luke 11, and John 17. He said that we need to put the word of God into the mouths of the people of God so that they can proclaim the word of God. Isaiah 51:16 is a prayer that I say every morning. It says, put your words in my mouth and cover me with the shadow of your hand. You who put the foundations in place and laid and put the heavens in place and laid the foundations of the earth will say to your children, you are my people. On February 14th, as I was heading to Woodland to teach, I had a head on collision totaling my three-year-old Honda. And as a single mother, that was truly devastating, but also the physical effects were devastating too. To retrace my steps that day and the morning of will show that the hand of God was truly with me. 
Psalms 34:19 says many of the afflictions of the righteous but the Lord delivers them from them all. I had been asking God to give me a word for my father and the night before I had gone and kneeled beside of daddy and held his hand and said daddy many of the afflictions of the righteous but Lord's going to deliver you from all of these. And he said thank you Jan I needed that word today to encourage me. So that morning as I got out to go to Woodle and I had one book bag on one hand and one on the other and I was actually at the door and the Holy Spirit nudged me and says, I want you to go back and look at Psalms 3420. And I said, God, I'm going to be late. Woodland's a long way from Hurdle Mills. But I did it anyway. And it says, he keepeth all of them, his bones, and not one of them is broken. And I said, God, I know that verse is talking about Jesus because not one of his bones were broken on the cross. So I meditated on that. Then, because I drink coffee, and my students say my breath smells like coffee, I put a, went to put a piece of gum in my mouth, and the gum fell into the airbag. And I said, oh, no. Somewhere down the road, down the years later, when this airbag comes out, my gum's going to come flying out, too. That was red flag number two. So then I just kept feeling like, you got to stay prayed up today. you got to stay prayed up. This is Valentine's. I had my Valentine's for my kiddos on the front seat and all my little stuff for the party on the front seat. And then when I looked up and saw that black Honda coming straight at me, I said, God, this can't be happening. This can't be happening. And I just froze because it was either hit the cow pasture in the electric fence or just keep charging 55 miles an hour right into her. So I just stopped and let her hit me head on. The impact knocked me out and the door jammed. So I couldn't escape the smoke and I couldn't breathe at all. And I was just panting and panting. And one of the sheriff's deputies got there and opened the door for me. And uh, the impact put my front license plate on the, her car. It hit me so hard. Both cars were totaled. When I got to Brand's wrecker, the mother and the young lady that hit me were there. And the gentleman said, the lady that hit you is there also. We don't want any fights around here. I said, don't worry, sir. I'm a Christian and I'm hurting so bad. You ain't got to worry about me doing anything. So when I got there, her Honda was right near my Honda. And the mother grabbed my arm and dragged me over to her daughter's car. And I didn't know what she was doing. And she said, look, you put Jesus on her car. It had put this exactly on her car. And she said, he saved both of you. Both of you have told vehicles and you're living to tell it. At the emergency room, the social worker asked me, how are you feeling? I said, my chest feels like it's broken wide open. I told her that morning God had told me to go look at Psalms 3420. He keepeth all of your bones and not one of them is broken. She said, that verse is for you. That's why he told you to go back and look. We claim that verse over you. X-rays showed no broken bones, but severe bruising. Praise the Lord. When life is bad, God is still good. He promises to work all things out for our good. I testify to the power of prayer. Deuteronomy 11.7 says, Remember all the Lord thy God did. Thank y'all so much. asked to speak on discipling and mentoring today. Uh, I call on 2 Corinthians 12, 9 right now, but um, I do not feel worthy to stand in the pulpit this morning, nor do I feel worthy to be among these Christian mothers and women that we have here today in their witness. Um, but I thank the Lord for allowing me to stand here today to just, just say about a, a few, few words. I realize I'm last and I get to talk longer. But <laughs> discipling and mentoring. A true disciple of Jesus Christ embraces the corrections that leads them daily to be perfected in the faith and to daily be transformed into likeness and image of God. Okay, book definitions are good. They show intelligence. 
But every day living for all of us sometimes is tough. <clears throat> the people we live with in our homes, in our workplaces, on the highways going and coming, you know, the last one to cut you off. Even our fellow Christians in our church sometimes rub us the wrong way. <clears throat> but as a Christian, we should bear fruit as God set for us. Galatians 5.22 says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. <clears throat> Here is where we need to show a disciple life. Where we need to show our true Christian colors. Women and men should be at peace in their relationships with Jesus and their fellow man. We should value our relationship with God and with others. We should be trained in scripture to offer advice and to be able to mentor, always leading back to the scriptures. Be prepared to study together, listen big time, and pray together. That's very important. We thank God for the mentors already in place here at Theresa. Our mission friend leaders, our GAs and RA leaders, our ACT team leader, our WANA leaders and our nursery workers, the children's church leaders and our Sunday school teachers. But they are not alone in our mentoring program. You are an important part these kids and others are watching how disciplined your life is. Do you walk the talk or simply talk it on Sundays? They can tell how true your relationship to Christ really is. <clears throat> 1 Peter 4.16 says, However, if you suffer as a Christian, do not be ashamed, but praise God you bear that name. We need to let others know that we're Christian. And also, 2 Timothy 2.15, do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, <clears throat> a workman who does not need to be ashamed and who currently handles the word of truth. Yes, study so you can know how to share the word. I heard a minister quote another minister this week saying, if the devil can't get your soul, he'll take your witness. Don't let them do it. What state is your witness in? <clears throat> and who have you witnessed to this week? Titus 2, 1 through 8 says, <clears throat> But as for you, teach what accords with doctrine. Older men are to be sober-minded, dignified, self-controlled, sound in faith and love and in steadfastness. Older women, likewise, are to be reverent in behavior, not slanderers or slaves to much wine. They are to teach what is good and so train the young women to love their husbands and children, to be self-controlled, pure, working at home, kind and submissive to their husbands, that the word of God may not be reviled. Likewise, urge the younger men to be self-controlled. Show yourself in all respects to be a model of good works. And in your teaching, show integrity, dignity, and sound speech that can't be condemned. So that an opponent may be put to shame, having nothing evil to say about us. We all need to be aware of our witness. In the Titus scripture, the older women, the Titus women, our Baptist women are called. They were to minister to the younger women. The older women were responsible for training the younger women to live a Christian life in faith, to love their husbands, and they taught love by living holy lives before the younger women, by living a life that honored God just as Jesus Christ taught the disciples, taught the disciples to live their lives. But in our world today, you may find yourself in an intersection of helping or being helped. Then we indeed ourselves need mentoring. 
If you sometimes get prideful, you're like James and John. If you speak too quickly at times, you're similar to Peter. If you forget God's miracles and take his presence for granted, you have joined the disciples. If your faith occasionally wavers, you're one of the crowd. But there's good news. It is possible that God has planned a divine intersection to grow his grace through you. God might be sending you the gift of a person to mentor you along the way or one for you to mentor. Are you ready to fulfill his call for you? Are you prepared for him to use you? In Isaiah 6, 2, it says, And I heard of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send? Who will go for us? Then I, being Isaiah, said, Here I am, send me. Can you say that? Thank you. I had um, prayed and prayed and prayed over Baptist Women's Day, and um, <clears throat> I thank each and every one of y'all for y'all's obedience and y'all's yes to God. Um, God is stretching me this morning, too, y'all, because I've never done this before. Ooh, Jesus. Okay, take the wheel. Take the song. All right, if you join me in singing 385, please, they will know we are Christians. This close to getting out of it, y'all. This close. ladies let's pray together Lord thank you for the the testimonies that we have heard thank you for your grace in the life of our church thank you for the grace in the life of women and that you call them to follow you Lord as we give now I pray that we give with obedient hearts with hearts full of joy with hearts that love you we pray this in your name amen
My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly trust in Jesus' name. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly trust in Jesus' name. Christ alone, cornerstone, weak made strong in the Savior's love through the storm. He is Lord, Lord of all. When darkness seems to hide his face, I rest on his unchanging grace. In every high and stormy gale, my anchor holds within the veil. Christ alone, cornerstone, weak made strong in the Savior's love through the storm. He is Lord, Lord of all. He is Lord, Lord of all. Christ alone, cornerstone, weak made strong. In the Savior's love, through the storm, He is Lord, Lord of all. When He shall come with trumpet sound, oh, may I then in Him be found. Dressed in his righteousness alone, faultless to stand before the throne, Christ alone, cornerstone, weak made strong in the Savior's love through the storm. He is Lord, Lord of All right, everybody do me a favor and grab your sermon notes. Everybody got them? All right, put them in a place where you will have them next week, all right? (laughs) We will come back to Mark's gospel next week. Uh, I think it has been good to hear from our sisters and to hear the testimony from these ladies. Uh, I want to share... I want to add, not my testimony as a woman, clearly I'm not a woman, but I want to add uh, some comments to what they've said, not, not because it was lacking in any way, but because I want to share from the word. Uh, if you've got your Bibles, you can turn to Titus, I'm just going to speak for just a few moments. Uh, you heard Miss Linda read this a few moments ago, Titus chapter 2, Paul's talking about the role and ministry of women. Titus 2, Paul is writing this letter to uh, his young disciple, Titus. He's explaining a lot of what's going on in the church. He's, he's encouraging him uh, in a number of ways about how to set up and lead a church. He talks about uh, the appointment of elders. There's another word for pastors there, the qualifications. And then he gets to chapter 2, 
He says, but as for you, Titus, teach what accords with sound doctrine. Now the word for sound there is healthy doctrine. Teach, teach what accords with the Bible. 2 Timothy 3.16 says that all scripture is breathed out by God that is useful for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness that the man or the woman in Christ may be mature, complete, lacking in nothing. Teach that. Guard that. Devote your life to that. And look at Titus 2 verse 2. His older men, sober-minded, dignified, self-controlled, sound in faith and love and in steadfastness. And then he says, older women, likewise. You know what that means? That likewise word means that I'm about to say something, but it's tied to what I've already said. So women in the church, here's what God is saying. You are to be sober-minded, dignified, self-controlled, sound in faith, in love, and in steadfastness. If you ever wondered a picture of godly womanhood looks like, you've, you've heard the testimony of these ladies. Here it is in scripture. The culture has an idea of what women are to be and the culture is wrong. God has said who women are to be and here it is. Now look at verse three. He says a number of things. Reverend in behavior, not slanderers or slaves to much wine. Teach what's good. So train the young women to love their husbands and children. Self-controlled, pure, working at home, kind, submissive to their husbands. And here's why. Here's why God calls ladies to walk this path. Look what it says at the end of verse 5. That the word of God may not be reviled. There's the highest calling of what it means to be a woman before the face of God to guard and to uphold and to dignify the word of God with how you live. If you are a wife, then you dignify the word of God by loving your husband, by honoring that God-given role, by being his helpmate, by participating in the leadership of the home with him, by honoring his God-given role as the head of the home. If you are a mother, then you honor God and you fulfill your godly role as a woman by teaching your children to love God and to know God. As you heard uh, Miss Susan say, invest scripture into your children. If you are a lady in this church and you don't have children of your own, you have a lot of children in this church. Invest scripture, invest the Bible, dignify the word, guard the teaching by investing it into children. But think about that calling, because it's a heavy calling, ladies. God says to you out of his word, live your life in such a way that God's word is honored. That's how you lead a fulfilling life as a woman. Now, I can't say that experientially. I've never been a woman. I won't ever be a woman. But I can say on the authority of God's word that the way that you lead a fulfilling joy-filled, satisfying life as a woman is to know God through his word, which you've heard them say, and to guard God's word by devoting your life to it. Amen? Amen. Let me pray for us. Lord, I'm so thankful that you have given us women in the life of the local church Lord, you have called these sisters to follow you and to love you and to honor you. You have told them what it is to be a dignified woman. Lord, our culture has a lot of ideas. Our our culture has a lot of lies. And Lord, we won't know how to discern the lies from the truth if we are not holding fast to the truth of your word. And so God, I pray for the women of this local church, young and old, that you would make them women of the word. That you would make them women who love you and who treasure your word personally, but who treasure your word together. They invest the scriptures into one another. God, I pray that their highest desire as a woman before your face is to honor and dignify the word through how they live. Lord, thank you for a chance this morning to hear from their hearts 
We pray, O God, that it has been honoring and glorifying to you. And we pray all of this in your holy name. Amen. I'm going to invite, uh, we're going to sing this last song, and then we'll... uh One more time, Jesus. One more time. been a good morning amen Amen. glad y'all are here i hope it's a great sunday morning for you let me pray and we'll dismiss god it's been good to be together it's been good to hear testimonies of your faith faithfulness and your graciousness it's been good oh god to think much on who you are thank you for allowing us to gather we be with us as we go we pray in your holy name Amen. amen